The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, November 29, 2020, on the basis of Mark 11, verses 1 through 10. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. I know we're just three days into the official Christmas season, but I'm guessing you can already picture it. Picture yourself gathered around that beautifully decorated Christmas tree, gathered there with people that you love, and that long-awaited time to open the presents has finally arrived. Present number one, toilet paper. And not just one roll, not just a a six-pack like you might find at Quick Trip or Miller's, but one of those jumbo packs that you can get at Costco that, again, seem to be a, a little bit difficult to find in stock right now. Present number two, hand sanitizer. Dispensers of various shapes and sizes, including the kind that you can put in your car or clip to your purse, and then a big giant five-gallon bucket full of it so that you can keep filling them up over and over again. Present number three, masks. A whole pack of them, the, the latest and greatest style. Sleek, comfortable, fashionable, all rolled into one. And oh, by the way, just in time for Christmas, somebody finally invented a design that you can wear with glasses and it won't fog the glasses up. Gift number four, a one-year all-expenses-paid subscription. Not to Netflix, not to Hulu, not to Disney+, Plus, but to Zoom. That's right, in the new year, you can schedule meetings of your very own without having to worry about that 40-minute time limit that they impose on you with the free version of Zoom. I'm guessing those aren't the kinds of things that you're expecting to find under your Christmas tree this year. In fact, I'm guessing that if you did, you'd probably consider it to be a bit strange. And yet, what if that picture that I just asked you to imagine in your minds was actually not from Christmas of 2020, What if it had actually taken place at Christmas of 2019? Can you even imagine getting things like that a year ago? I mean, in a a year like this, those gifts at least make sense. They might seem a little bit bizarre, but at least they make sense. At least you would put them to good use. In any other year besides this one, they would seem totally ridiculous. And of course, that's all because of our, our circumstances. It's all because of everything that makes this year so very different from any year that has ever come before it. It is entirely natural for our circumstances to have an influence on the gifts that we ask for and the gifts that we receive. And not just as we deal with one another, but also in our relationship with God. It's very natural for the things that we seek from God, the things we pursue, the things we ask for from God, to very much be tied to our circumstances. For those gifts that we seek to be based on what happens to be going on in our life right now or what we happen to feel that we need from God in the moment. And if that's the case, then I'm guessing it would come as a bit of a surprise to see the story that is in front of us today, the story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. We're much more accustomed to considering this story a little bit closer to its original chronological context, namely on the Sunday right before Easter. 
as we are getting ready to remember Jesus' suffering, his death, and his resurrection from the dead. Looking at this story then makes perfect sense, but what about as we start to prepare our hearts for Christmas? Well, believe it or not, Christians have been hearing this story as they start to prepare their hearts for Christmas for more than a thousand years now. It is the story that Christians have chosen to hear as they begin a new season of the church year called Advent and as they begin a new, a new church year entirely. Why? Well, because it's a story that reminds us that the very most important things we receive from Jesus are things that are not tied to our circumstances. They aren't the things that, that we ask for or that we want or that we feel we could use at any particular moment. Rather, they are the things that we need the things that are most important and the things that we need from Jesus always. That's why this, this story is not just a story that's great for us to hear in, in this year, in 2020. It's actually the perfect story to start the season, no matter the year. As we look at this story, one thing that is clear is that Jesus knows exactly what he wants to do, and he's going to do it. He doesn't ask the crowds what they want him to do. He doesn't conduct a, a survey or a poll. No, instead, Jesus takes two of his disciples and he tells them exactly what to do. Then he tells them what's going to happen when they do it. Then he tells them what to say when that thing happens. And then he tells them what's going to happen when they say what he tells them to say. And then what Jesus told these two disciples to do, they do it. And then what Jesus said would happen, it happens. And then what Jesus told them to say in response, they say, and then what Jesus said would happen actually happens. And all of that careful orchestration, all of that meticulous planning, all revolves around this one detail of the story, the donkey. Jesus isn't just going to ride into Jerusalem. He's going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, if we were considering this story on the Sunday right before Easter, all of the significance placed in that donkey and really the focus of the entire sermon would all revolve around what was going to happen in the week ahead. By riding on a donkey, Jesus was riding on a, a royal animal, an animal that a king would ride on to demonstrate his victory and to demonstrate that there was peace. It was an animal a king would ride when every one of his enemies had already been defeated and when every threat to his power had been put down. Not only that, but there was an Old Testament prophecy that said that the Messiah would come to his people riding on a donkey. So by choosing this animal, by, by carefully planning it all out, Jesus was very clearly making the claim that he was, first of all, a king, second of all, that he was the long-awaited promised Messiah. The problem was Jesus was doing this at a time when not everyone agreed, when his enemies were still very, very angry with him and very much, in fact, more than ever, wanted to put him to death. And so by riding into Jerusalem on that donkey, rather than with a, a chariot and an army following at his heels, Jesus was really laying down his life, putting his life in their hands. He was making the events that would follow later in the week inevitable, his suffering and his death. He was making himself a sitting duck. And of course, we, we needed him too. We needed Jesus to take on himself every ounce of the guilt that is rightfully ours because of our sin. We needed Jesus to suffer every ounce of the punishment 
that we would rightfully deserve to pay. We needed Jesus to ride into Jerusalem that way to do those things to earn for us the blessings of forgiveness for our sins, a restored status before God and a place in heaven for all eternity. We needed Jesus to bring us those blessings because we could get those blessings in no other possible way. That's really the the significance of that donkey in the context of this original event that was taking place just one week before Easter. But now as we consider this event at the start of this new church year, at the start of this year, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, that donkey has some additional significance for us as well. You see, as we think about the blessings that, that Jesus wants to bring us as we gather here in his house He doesn't wait for us to ask him for what we want. He doesn't take a poll or conduct a survey. No, Jesus knows exactly what he wants to do, and Jesus demonstrates that he's fully capable of doing it. And just as was the case in this story, the vehicle that he uses to enter our world and to enter our lives is is by no means flashy or impressive. And yet, make no mistake, Jesus is going to make happen exactly what he wants to have happen. And so he says, do this and say this. And when you do, here's what's going to happen. He says, for example, take this book, open it, read it, learn it, study it, preach it, and teach it. And when you do, here's what will happen. I will use it to convince you of the inconvincible. I will use it to convince you that you have unconditional love from God, that you have full acceptance and approval from him for Jesus' sake, that you have a spot in heaven that is all yours, that your eternity is guaranteed. Jesus also says, take water. Take a person, young or old, it doesn't really matter, and put that water on that person. And as you do, say this. And when you do, here's what will happen. That person's sins will all be washed away. That person will be clothed in the perfection of Jesus. That person will be adopted into God's family and God will send his Holy Spirit to live in that person's heart. Jesus says, take some bread, take some wine, and then say this. And then after you've said this, do this. Give give those things out for people to receive, for them to eat and to drink. And when you do, here's what is going to happen. Jesus says, I will take my body and blood, the very things that I gave into death on the cross, the very things I used to pay the price of your salvation, and I will join them to the bread and the wine so that people receive them and along with them the blessings that I purchased with them. Forgiveness for all of their sins. Strengthening of their faith, their bond with God, their relationship with him. This meal, Jesus says, provides you with dose after dose after dose of the only medicine that can cure our greatest disease. That's why this is the perfect story to start this season, no matter what year it is, because it demonstrates It shows us the gifts that we need Jesus to bring. Jesus doesn't sit back and wait for us to ask him for what we want. He doesn't do a poll or a survey. He doesn't see what's on our minds. He simply brings to us the gifts 
we need him to bring. And yet I think you would agree that it's nice when those two things match up. What we want from Jesus and what he wants to bring to us. I mean, you could give someone a big pack of toilet paper or a bunch of hand sanitizer for Christmas this year. And, and you could tell yourself, you could rest assured that, that the person is going to need those things and use those things and benefit those things. But I'm guessing that person probably won't want those things, which is probably why you're not going to give someone those things. How much more important when it comes to the gifts Jesus wants to bring to us? If doing what Jesus tells us to do and saying what Jesus tells us to say and coming to the place where what Jesus says is going to happen happens isn't all that important to us, isn't very high on our priority list, well then we're, we're just not going to do it and we're going to miss out on those blessings that Jesus provides. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, it sure seemed as though the people were eager to receive the blessings that Jesus had come to bring. When Jesus showed up on that donkey, they knew exactly what to say. In fact, the reality is that they had been being trained and taught what to say for centuries. It was almost as if riding in on that donkey was Jesus' way of, of pressing a button and the response that we hear about was just an automatic response to what Jesus did. So much so that it seems as though the two groups of people, the, the crowd of people that was following Jesus from behind and the crowd of people who was ahead, they came out from Jerusalem to greet Jesus. They started saying the same thing back and forth to each other. They didn't even practice ahead of time. They didn't even have a service folder with all the instructions of what they were supposed to do. They just started doing it. They started saying back and forth, Hosanna, save us. Now, unfortunately, it seems pretty likely that maybe they weren't really thinking about what they were saying, or if they were, they maybe had the wrong idea about what they were saying. It seems by Jesus' day that word Hosanna had sort of evolved into just a, a generic acclamation that people could use for any and every reason. Sort of like today, someone could very easily say the word hallelujah without it ever even crossing their mind that that word means praise the Lord. And yes, these people were very eager, very much waiting for their king and their Messiah to arrive, but they had very different ideas about the job that he came to do. Their primary focus and assumption was that he came to bring them freedom and independence and restore greatness to their nation once again. And so, yes, they, they were very eager to say that word, Hosanna, save us, but maybe first and foremost on their minds was saying, yes, Jesus, save us. Save us from the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. Now, that doesn't mean that the words that they had been taught to say and trained to say were the wrong words. In fact, sometimes the impression can be given that any word that we as Christians would say to God needs to come from the heart. That whatever we might ask for from God, it needs to be heartfelt and sincere and genuine. And then along with that, or the flip side of that argument would be to suggest that if we are given the words to say, or if someone tells us what words we're supposed to say, that somehow they would mean less. The problem, of course, is that so often what is heartfelt and sincere and genuine isn't necessarily what is best. The problem is that we can't always exactly trust our hearts to ask Jesus for those blessings that we need most and that we need always. Instead, just like the people in Jesus' day, 
we might be much, much more inclined to ask for things that are tied to our specific circumstances. What do I need right here and right now? So, for example, we might be very eager to come to Jesus this year and say, inspire us. With everything going on in our world, it sure is easy to be discouraged. It sure is easy to get down. I need someone to fire me up. I need someone to pick me up. Or we might be very eager to come to Jesus and say, assist us. Money is just so tight right now. There have been a bunch of unexpected bills that have come. My hours and my income at work have been cut back. Congress doesn't seem like they're interested in doing anything at all. So Jesus, I need some help and I need it now. Or we might be inclined to say to Jesus, improve us. No matter how hard I try, I can't seem to be the person I know I'm supposed to be and treat people the way I'm supposed to treat them. Right now, there is sadness and anger and, and conflict in my life because of how I have treated others. So Jesus, help me to be better. And of course, saying any of those things to Jesus, making any of those requests is by no means bad. Those are all good, wonderful things to ask Jesus for, and yet none of them really get at the fundamental reality that is underlying those problems and every problem that we have in life. First and foremost, we need Jesus to save us, to rescue us from enemies that are otherwise invincible. And so rather than trusting our hearts to always ask Jesus for what is best, we instead train our hearts to ask Jesus for what is best. For example, when we, when we come into God's house like we did today, almost every time without fail, we confess our sins. And we do that whether you happen to feel particularly sinful that day or not. Every time we come into God's house, we say the Lord's Prayer. We ask Jesus for the things he has invited us to ask him for, even if those things don't happen to be all that high on our priority list at the moment. In fact, even in normal circumstances, we use the prayer that these people use. Normally, we sing it. We sing, Hosanna, Jesus, save us, rescue us from our sin, rescue us from death. Now, does that mean that at times we could very easily, just like these people, say all of those right words and yet either not know what they mean or not even be think about, thinking about what we're saying? Of course it does. But even as we repeat them over and over again, we are training our hearts to want what is best from Jesus rather than trusting our hearts to want what is best from Jesus. That's what makes this the perfect story to start the season no matter the year. It doesn't just show us the gifts that we need Jesus to give. It also shows us the words that we need to ask for them. And I think you'd agree there are some years where that's a little bit easier to do than others. For example, a year like 2020, when so much has gone wrong, when so much has been difficult, when so much that seemed so certain to us was taken away at a moment's notice. Maybe this year more than any other, it is easy to want and want most the things that Jesus wants to give 
us most. Maybe this year, more than any other, it is easy for the first prayer on our mouths each day to be, Lord, save us, rescue us from our enemies. Maybe this year, more than any other, it is easy not just to say or sing Hosanna, but to say it like we mean it and like we've never meant it before. But what about next year? What if you take that scene that I asked you to picture at the beginning and you fast-forwarded to 2021, sitting around that beautiful decorated Christmas tree, sitting there with the people that you love, time to open presents, and now it's 2021. And in the meantime, in the intervening year, a vaccine has come along. And all the kids are back in school full-time and playing sports. And we're once again allowed to, to crowd into our homes with the people that we love. And your hours and your income have been fully restored. And the churches and the restaurants and the football stadiums are all full once again. What then? Well, tell you what. If all of that happens this year, here's what we'll do. We'll gather here next year on the first Sunday in Advent, on the first Sunday of a brand new church year, and we will start that church year exactly the same way. No matter the year, no matter how it goes, we will keep training our hearts to ask Jesus for what we need most. And no matter the year, we will keep finding out that Jesus is ready and willing to give it. Amen. <laughs>